Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Macabre for Mortals. I'm your host Claudia and this week we'll be covering three of the most used modern methods of execution. I understand that in many countries the death penalty is still a use of punishment and it has many supporters and many opposers of this judgment. I was brought up in the United Kingdom and I currently live in Australia, two countries which do not have execution as a method of punishment anymore. They did obviously in the past, but as of this moment in time, they don't. I can understand people's views as that in the most heinous people deserve it. But in my opinion, I think death is the easy way out to a lot of these criminals. Most of them want to be killed and that's not particularly the way that I think is the best way to be punished. However, I also acknowledge that some prison systems treat their prisoners better than the elderly in some retirement homes, which I also do not approve of. However, I remember watching on a program of Stephen Fry in America, and he visited a prison in Louisiana known as Angola, but to be honest, I'll be calling it the Louisiana State Penitentiary as Angola is the name of the former plantation that occupied this territory and the enslavement of any people. And I don't really, I don't control slave, slavery in any form, but I just don't approve of using that name either because I think it can be quite offensive to some people. However, the Louisiana State Penitentiary is something that I believe that jails and penitentiaries should actually be loosely modelled off. I don't agree with everything that this prison does, but the principle behind it is actually a good concept. The Louisiana State Penitentiary was designed to be as self-sufficient as possible. Why am I finding that so hard to say? It functions as a miniature community with a canning factory, a dairy, a mail system, a small ranch, repair shops, and a sugar mill. Prisoners raise their food staples and their cash crops. The self-sufficiency was enacted so that taxpayers would spend less money. And this is, I think the thing that I agree with the most about this, that we shouldn't be paying for people to be held in a prison. I understand there needs to be security and we need to pay prison guards. And I don't think this is something that should be privately owned. But at the same time, I believe the taxpayers' money could be better in improving education and also improving looking after the elderly, like making sure that they are actually looked after when they do have to go to a retirement home and not abused. I think these are things which really need to be covered and every country, I think, has this issue and needs to have this solved. The state of Louisiana considers the Louisiana State Penitentiary to be a multi-security institution. 29% of the prison's beds are designated for maximum security inmates. The inmates live in several housing units scattered across the whole of the grounds. 
And by the 1990s, air conditioning and heating units had all been installed in the inmates' housing units. What's different in this prison is that most of the inmates live in dormitories instead of cell blocks. The prison administration here states that this is because having inmates of all ages with long sentences to live in this sort of way encourages cooperation and healthy peer relationships. The inmates cultivate, harvest and process an array of crops that make the facility self-supporting. Crops include cabbage, corn, cotton, strawberries, okara, onions, peppers, soybeans, squash, tomato and wheat. And the last statistic that I can find is that as of 2010, the prison had 2,000 herd of cattle. Much of the herd is sold at markets for beef. And each year the prison produces about 4 million pounds of vegetable crops. The inmates also breed and train the courses used at the Louisiana State Penitentiary for field work. Trustees are mounted on to onto these horses and supervise the workers in the fields and this horse sale was um, initiated around 2010 and they also have annual rodeos which the prisoners can take part in as i said before i'm just going to call it the lsp for now it does have several manufacturing facilities the farm warehouse is a point of distribution of all the agricultural supplies. They also have a mattress broom and mop shop that makes mattresses and cleaning tools. The printing shop prints documents, forms and other materials. And the range herd groups manages the 20,000 herd of cattle. They have the row crops groups that harvest the crops, the silk screen group that produces plates, badges, roads and highway signs and textiles and it also manages the sales of sign hardware. They have a tag plant producing license plates for Louisiana and overseas customers. The tractor repair shop for repairs for the agriculture equipment. The transportation division delivers goods manufactured by the prison enterprises division. I also um, saw on the program that I mentioned earlier, Stephen Fry in America, that they actually make wheelchairs and other things to help disabled people and disabled children and they actually have photos of these so it gives them a sense of purpose and they can actually see something for the work that they're doing like it's not menial hard labor which I think is equally as bad but I think when you're putting prisoners to work sometimes from my opinion and from what I have seen in my field a lot of the time the communities were crime spirals it's because there is poverty and they're not given the time or the money to give themselves these life skills so I think in this prison giving them those skills having them work jobs, having them do things to make themselves feel that they have a bit of respect. I just, I, I think this is a really good, good way to manage a prison. This also gives the inmate 
skills. So the ones who are doing the road and highway signs, the mop and broom shop and making mattresses and cleaning tools, fixing the tractors, it's giving them really good skills. So when they are released, then they can have those skills and have those skills to show people that, look, I can do this. All of these things on being a self-sufficient prison also negates taxpayers' money. And as I said before, I can divert it to a lot more important sectors. Anyway, now I've made my opinion known and sort of given what I believe would be a better way to, I don't know, redesign our prisons, I think, in every country. I don't think that really there is one country that is actually better than another. I think we're all a bit stuck in which way we should treat prisoners. But now I'll continue on to the content that you're actually listening for. Execution by electrocution. Let's see how many times I can trip over my words with that one. It is performed mainly by using the electric chair. And this is a method of execution originating and almost exclusively used in the United States, in which the condemned person is strapped to a specially built wooden chair and electrocuted through electrodes fastened to their heads and legs. Their heads? their head and legs. This execution method was conceived in 1881 by a Buffalo, New York dentist named Alfred Priest Southwick and was developed through the 1880s as a supposed humane alternative to hanging and was first used in 1890. As I said, this has been mainly used in the United States, but for several decades, it has actually been used in the Philippines too. While death was originally theorized to result from damage to the brain, it was eventually shown in 1899 that it primarily results in the ventricular fibrillation and eventual cardiac arrest. So once the person was attached to the chair, various cycles of alternating current would be passed through the individual's body in order to cause a fatal damage to the internal organs. The first more powerful jolt of electric current is intended to cause immediate unconsciousness ventricular fibrillation, and eventually cardiac arrest. The second, less powerful jolt is intended to cause fatal damage to the vital organs. Although the electric chair has long been a symbol of the death penalty in the United States, its use is in decline due to the rise of the lethal injection, which is widely believed to be more humane. While some states still maintain electrocution as a legal method of execution, today it is only maintained as a secondary method that may be chosen over the legal ejection at the request of the prisoner, except in Tennessee, where it may be used without input from the prisoner if the drugs for the lethal injection are not available. As of 2014, electrocution is an optional form of of execution in the states of Alabama, Florida, South Carolina, and Virginia, all of which allowed the prisoner to choose lethal injection as an alternative method. In the state of Kentucky, the electric chair has been retired 
except for those whose capital crimes were committed prior to March 31, 1998. And those who choose electrocution, inmates who do not choose electrocution, and inmates who committed their crimes after the designated date are executed by lethal injection. Electrocution is also authorised in Kentucky in the event that the lethal injection is found unconstitutional by the court. The electric chair is an alternative form of execution approved for potential use in Arkansas, Mississippi and Oklahoma if other forms of execution are found unconstitutional in the state at the time of execution. On February 8th, 2008, the Nebraska Supreme Court determined that execution by electric chair was cruel and unusual punishment under the state's constitution. This brought executions of this type to an end in Nebraska, the only remaining state to retain electrocution as its sole method of execution. After a series of botched hangings in the United States, there was mounting criticism of that form of capital punishment and the death penalty in general. In 1886, newly elected New York State Governor David B. Hill set up a three-member death penalty commission, which was chaired by the human rights advocate and former Elbridge Thomas Gerry, and included New York lawyer and politician Matthew Hale and Southwick to investigate a more humane means of execution. The commission members surveyed the history of execution and sent out a fact-finding questionnaire to government officials, lawyers, and medical experts all around the state asking for their opinion. A slight majority of respondents recommended hanging over electrocution, with a few instead recommending the abolishment of capital punishment. The commission also contacted electrical experts, including Thomas Houston Electrical's company, Aluhu Thompson, and the inventor, Thomas Edison. They also attended electrocutions of dogs by John Fell, who had worked with Southwick in the early 1880s experiments. Fell was conducting further experiments electrocuting anaesthetized dissected dogs, trying to discern exactly how the electricity killed a subject. How I don't particularly condone the electrocution of dogs. I understand that animal studies are actually needed sometimes to actually see how things work. In 1888, the commission recommended electrocution using Southwick's electric chair idea with metal conductors attached to the condemned person's head and feet. They further recommended that executions be handled by the state instead of the individual counties with three electric chairs set up in Auburn, Clinton, and Sing Sing prisons. A bill following these recommendations passed in the legislature and was signed by Governor Hill on the 4th of June, 1888, set to go into effect on January 1st, 1889. The first person in line to die under New York's new electrocution law was Joseph Capullo, convicted for beating his neighbor to death with a sled stake. 
but his sentence was commuted to life imprisonment. The next person scheduled to be executed was William Kemmler, convicted of murdering his wife with a hatchet. An appeal of Kemmler's behalf was made to the New York Court of Appeals on the grounds that the use of electricity as a mean of execution constituted a cruel and unusual punishment and was thus contrary to the constitutions of the United States and the state of New York. On December 30th, 1889, the writ of habeas corpus sworn out of Kemmler's behalf was denied by the court, which Judge Dwight writing in a lengthy ruling. We have no doubt that the legislature of this state should undertake to prescribe for any offence against its laws, the punishment of burning at the stake, breaking at the wheel, etc. It would be the duty of the courts to pronounce upon such an attempt the condemnation of the Constitution. The question now to be answered is whether the legislative act here assailed is subject to the same condemnation. Certainly, it is not so on its face, for although the mode of death described as conceded to be unusual, there is no common knowledge or consent that is cruel. It is a question of the fact whether electric sufficient, the electric current of sufficient intensity and skillfully applied will produce death without unnecessary suffering. Kemmler was executed in New York's Auburn prison on August 6, 1890. The state electrician was Edwin F. Davis. The first 17 second passage of 1000 volts of AC of current through Kemmler caused unconsciousness, but failed to stop his heart and breathing. Attending physicians, Edward Charles Spitzker and Carlos F. MacDonald came forward to examine Kemmler. After confirming Kemmler was still alive, Spitzker reportedly called out, have the current turned on again, quick, no delay. The generator needed time to recharge, however. In the second attempt, Kemmler received a 2000 volt AC shock. Blood vessels under the skin ruptured and bled, and the areas around the electrodes singed. The entire execution took about eight minutes. George Westinghouse later commented, that they would have done better using an axe, and a witnessing reporter claimed that it was an awful spectacle, far worse than a hanging. A number of states still allow the condemned person to choose between electrocution and lethal injection. With the most recent US electrocution taking place in February 2020 in Tennessee. After 1966, electrocution ceased for a time in the United States, but the methods continued in the Philippines. A well-publicized triple execution took in May, in the May of 1972, where Jamie Jose, Basilio Pinder, and Edgaro Aquino were electrocuted for their 1967 abduction and gang rape of the young actress Maggie de la Riviera. The last electric chair electric execution in the Philippines was in 1976. After the 1986 abolition of the death penalty, executions resumed during the Field of View, Ramos administration, this time utilizing lethal injection until about the year 2000. Electrocution, even though it has been said that it is more humane, I think it's one of the methods 
I think I would fear most. And I remember watching a program, I cannot remember which one it was, as a child and viewing the electric chair. And I remember thinking how terrifying it absolutely was. But I suppose it's a lot more humane than hanging that could be botched so easily. The Lethal Injection. The lethal injection is a practice of injecting one or more drugs into a person for the express purpose of causing a rapid death. The main application for this procedure is, of course, capital punishment, but the term may also appear to be applied in a broader sense to include euthanasia and other forms of suicide. The drugs cause the person to become unconscious, stop their breathing, and causes a heart arrhythmia in that order. This was first developed in the United States and is now a legal method of execution in China, Thailand, Guatemala, Taiwan, the Maldives, Nigeria, and Vietnam. Though Guatemala has not conducted an execution since 2000 and the Maldives has never carried out an execution since independence. Although Taiwan permits lethal injection as an execution method, no executions have been carried out in this manner. The same is true for Nigeria. The lethal injection was also used in the Philippines until the country re-abolished the death penalty in 2006. Lethal injection gained popularity in the late 20th century as a form of execution intended to supplement the others, notably electrocution, gas inhalation, hanging and firing squad that were considered to be less humane and is now the most common form of lethal execution in the United States. The lethal injection was proposed on the 17th of January, 1888 by Julius Montblair, a New York doctor who practiced it as it being cheaper than hanging. Blair's idea was never used due to a series of boxed executions and the eventual rise of the public disapproval in electrocutions. Lethal injections were first used by Nazi Germany to execute prisoners of war during World War II. Nazi Germany developed the Action T4 euthanasia program as one of its methods of disposing a Lebensleben, life unworthy of life. The British Royal Commission on Capital Punishment in 1949 to 1953 also considered the lethal injection, but eventually it ruled it out after pressure from the British Medical Association. On the 11th of May, 1977, Oklahoma's state medical examiner, Jay Chapman, proposed a new, less painful method of execution. Known as Chapman's Protocol, an intravenous saline drip shall be started in the prisoner's arm, which shall be introduced a lethal injection consisting of an ultra-short-acting ultra short barbiturate in combination with the chemical paralytic. After the procedure was approved by an anesthesiologist, Stanley Deutsch, the formerly the head of the Department of Anesthesiology of the Oklahoma University Medical School, 
The Reverend Bill Wyman introduced the method into the Oklahoma legislature, where it passed and was quickly adopted. This can be seen under Title 22, Section 1014A. Since then, until 2004, 37 of the 38 states using capital punishment introduced the lethal injection statutes. On the 29th of August 1977, Texas adopted the new method of execution, switching to lethal injection from electrocution. And on the 7th of December 1982, Texas became the first US state and territory in the world to use the lethal injection to carry out capital punishment for the execution of Charles Brooks Jr. If any of you have ever listened to crime in sports, you will know that anybody with a sort of junior or senior at the end of theirs, the guys, I think it's James Petrogallo and Jimmy Wisman, they say that the junior always seems to give them a little bit of a worry because it seems to be people who can commit crimes, but maybe that is just a broad generalization by those guys. The People's Republic of China began using this method in 1987, Guatemala in 1986, the Philippines in 1999, Thailand in 2003, and Taiwan in 2005. Vietnam first used this method in 2013. The Philippines abolished the death penalty in 2006 with their last execution being in 2000. And as I said before, Guatemalan law still allows for the death penalty and lethal injection is the sole method allowed, but no penalties have been carried out since 2000, when the country experienced the live television televised execution of Manuel Martinez Colorado. The export of drugs to be used for lethal injection was banned by the European Union in 2011, together with other items under the EU torture regulation. Since then, pentobarbital followed by theopenil is all included in the European Union's ban. By the early 2014, a number of botched executions involving lethal injections and a rising shortage of suitable drugs had some US states reconsidering the lethal injection as a form of execution. Tennessee, which had previously offered inmates the choice between lethal injection and the electric chair, passed a law in May 2014, which gave the states the option to use the electric chair if the lethal injection drugs are either unavailable or made unconstitutional. At the same time, Wyoming and Utah were considering the use of execution by firing squad, in addition to other existing execution methods. In 2016, Pfizer joined over 20 American and European pharmaceutical manufacturers that had previously blocked the sale of their drugs for lethal injections, effectively closing the open market for the FDA-approved manufacturers for any potential lethal execution drug. In the execution of Carrie Dean Moore on August 14, 2018, the state of Nebraska used a novel drug cocktail using diazepam, fentanyl, cystiarium, and potassium chloride. Over the strong objections of the German pharmaceutical company, Frosisch Kabai. 
In the United States, the typical lethal injection begins with a condemned person being strapped onto a gurney. Two intravenous cannulas, the IVs, are then inserted into each arm. Only one is necessary to carry out the execution, the other is reserved as a backup in the event of the primary line fails. They'd probably have to do this for me, as like my veins are like the tiniest things. They have to use like children's needles to get anything for mine. And I'm terrible. Absolutely terrible. A line leading from the IV line in the adjacent room is attached to the prisoner's IV and secured, so that line does not snap during the injections. In most states, the intravenous injection is a series of drugs given a set sequence, designed to first induce unconsciousness, followed by death through paralysis of respiratory muscles and or by cardiac arrest through the depolarization of cardiac muscle cells. The execution of the condemned in most states involves three separate injections, all in this sequential order. Number one, sodium thiopental or pentobarbital, an ultra short action barbiturate, an anesthetic agent used at a high dose that renders the person unconscious in less than 30 seconds. Dispression of the respiratory activity is one of the characteristic actions of this drug. Consequently, the lethal injection doses, as described in the sodium thiopental below, will, even in the absence of the following two drugs, cause death due to lack of breathing, as happens with the overdoses of opioids. Number two, pancuronium bromide. This is a non-depolarizing muscle relaxant, which causes complete, fast, and sustained paralysis of the skeletal striatal muscles, including the diaphragm and the rest of the respiratory muscles. And this would eventually cause death by asphyxiation. Potassium chloride. A potassium salt, which increases the blood, a cardiac con concentration of potassium to stop the heart by an abnormal heartbeat and thus cause death by cardiac arrest. The drugs are not mixed externally because that can cause them to precipitate. Also, a sequential injection is key to achieve the desired effects in the appropriate order. Administration of the pentobarbital essentially renders that the person unconscious and the infusion of the pancurium bromide induces complete paralysis, including that of the lungs and diaphragm, rendering the person unable to breathe. If the person being executed were not already completely unconscious, the injection of the highly concentration solution of potassium chloride could cause severe pain at the site of the IV line, as well as along the punctured vein. But it it interrupts the electric, electrical activity of the heart muscle and causes it to start beating, bringing about the death of the person being executed. The intravenous tubing leads to a room next to the execution chamber, usually separated from the condemned by a curtain or wall. Typically, a prison employee trained in venicular puncture inserts the needle, while a second prison employee orders, prepares, and loads the drug into the lethal injection syringes. Two other staff members take each of the three syringes and secure them into the IVs. 
After the curtain is opened, allowing the witnesses to see inside the chamber, the condemned person is then permitted to make a final statement. Following this, the the warden signals that the execution may commence. The executioners, either the prison staff or private citizens, depending on the jurisdiction, then manually inject the three drugs in sequence. During the execution, the condemned's cardiac rhythm is monitored. Death is pronounced after cardiac activity stops. Death usually occurs within seven minutes. Although due to complications in finding a suitable vein, the whole procedure can take up to two hours, as was the case of Christopher Newton on the 24th of May, 2007. According to the state law, if a physician's participation in the execution is prohibited for reasons of medical ethics, then the death ruling can be made by the state's medical examiner office. After the confirmation of the death has occurred, the coroner signs a condemns death certificate. Just like to point out, as you could hear with that, that it's prison staff who actually put the lethal injection into the condemns eye, like their vein, the IV in. Uh, also that either citizens or prison employees will actually administer the drugs as well. This is because of the Hippocratic Oath which doctors take to do no harm and they would clearly be doing harm with this. So a few states would actually say that no physician is allowed to participate at all so they're not even allowed to pronounce death. So that's where the state's medical examiner's office would do that. But otherwise there are absolutely no doctors that take part in this. Which is something when I found this out originally a few years ago. I found it a bit shocking that it's actually prisoners who do it, but then I couldn't put myself in the position of being a doctor and having to do this at the same time because it is going against everything that you were taught to do to save someone's life. In the past, the People's Republic of China executed prisoners primarily by means of shooting. In recent years, however, lethal injection has become become more common. The specific lethal injection procedures, including the drug or drugs used, are a state secret and not publicly known. The lethal injection in China was legalized in 1996, and the number of shooting executions slowly decreased. And in February 2009, the Supreme People's Court orders a discontinuation of firing squads. And by the following year, under the conclusion that the injections were more humane to the prisoner. It has also been suggestion that the switch is also in response to executions being horrifying to the public. Lethal injections are less expensive than firing squads, with a single dose costing 300 yen compared to 700 yuan for a shooting execution. Executions in Vietnam were also mainly by the means of shooting, and the use of lethal injection method was approved by the government in June 2010 and adopted in 2011, and only executed in 2013. Urges to adopt other methods of lethal injection to replace the shooting and execution began earlier in 2006, after concerns of the mental state of the firing squad members after executions.
The drugs used consist of picronium bromide, the paralyzing subject substance, potassium chloride that stops the cardiac activity, and also a sodium thiopental, an anesthetic. The production of these substances, however, are low in Vietnam, and this led to drug shortages and the use of domestic poisons and shooting execution to be considered to be adopted back. The first prisoner in Vietnam to be executed by lethal injection was on August 6, 2013. The 27-year-old man, Nguyen Han Tuan, was arrested for murder and robbery. Between 2013 and 2016, 429 prisoners have been executed by this method in the country. The American Medical Association, the AMA, believes that physicians' opinion on capital punishment is a personal decision. Since the AMA is founded on preserving life, they argue that a doctor should not be a participant in executions in any professional capacity, with the exception of certifying death, provided that the condemned has been declared dead by another person and relieving the acute suffering of the condemned person while awaiting execution. The AMA, however, does not have the ability to enforce its prohibition of doctors from participating in lethal injection, as medical licensing is handled on a state level and does have not have the authority to revoke medical licenses. But as I said earlier, Typically, most states do not require that physicians administer the drugs for lethal injections. But most states do require doctors, nurses, paramedics to prepare the substances before the application and to attest the inmate's death after it. Just before I move on to my last one, I'm just going to apologise because we actually have a thunderstorm which has just started to happen here. Um, we've had a very hot day here in Australia and usually at the end of a hot day since we're moving towards summer, a nice thunderstorm starts rolling in. So if you can hear that during my last one, it isn't me putting in lovely sound effects. It is literally just a thunderstorm. <laughs> Lastly, I'll be covering death by firing squad. Execution by firing squad in the past has sometimes been called fusillading, from the French fusil or rifle. It is a method of capital punishment particularly common in the military and in times of war. Execution by shooting is a fairly old practice, and some reason for its use arose that firearms are usually readily available and a gunshot to a vital organ, such as the brain or heart, will most often kill relatively quickly. Execution by firing squad is the capital punish method used in Indonesia. The following persons were executed by firing squad on the 29th of April 2015, following the convictions of drug offences. Two Australians, Marikan Sakramara and Andrew Chan, the Ghanaian, the Ghanaian Martin Anderson, the Indonesian Zail Abin Bin Mahum Abarad, and three Nigerians, Rahid Achab, Salim, Sylvester Obiki Nawaz, 
and Odwaki Otazane, as well as Brazilian Rodrigo Gulate. I apologise profusely if I butchered any of those names, but I did as best as I could. I was aware of this last firing squad um, execution as um, Murakan Sukumara and Andrew Chan were Australian citizens and that was very largely shown during the whole Australian media um, showing his fa- their families and how they actually coped with this. It was quite devastating, I think, for the families. I understand that these two men, obviously, they took part in a drug smuggling. And I understand that drugs can actually affect people's lives and drugs can kill people. I just think that this is so extreme for that kind of offence. I just, I think it's, I I can't even give a reaction. I, I just don't think it's an appropriate punishment at all. In 2006, Fabianus Tiberio, Dominicus Salva, and Marianus Rua were executed. Nigerian drug smugglers Samuel Ikshuan Oke and Hansen Antoine Nuswala were executed in the June of 2008 in Nusa Kapaskan Island. Five months later, three men convicted for the 2002 Bali bombings. Amorosi, Inham Samurja and Ali Grofan were executed on the same spot. And in January 2013, a 56-year-old British woman, Lindsay Salford, was sentenced to execution by firing squad for importing a large amount of cocaine. She lost her appeal against her sentence in April 2013. Well, on 18th of January 2015, under the new leaderships of Yoko Winono, six people who were convicted of producing and smuggling drugs into Indonesia, who may have been sentenced to death, were executed in Nusam Kamban Penitentiary shortly after midnight. Execution by firing squad in the United Kingdom was limited to times of war, armed insurrection and in the military although now it is now outlawed in all circumstances, along with other forms of capital punishment. However, during this time, the Tower of London was used, (laughs) it's been used for a lot of things, but the Tower of London was used during both world wars for these executions. During World War I, 11 captured German spies were shot between 1914 and 1916, nine on the tower's rifle range and two in the tower's ditch. All of these spies were buried in East London Cemetery in Plasto, London. On the 15th of August 1941, German Corporal Joseph Jacobs was shot for espionage during World War II, and he was the last person to be executed at the tower. The United States Army took over Shepleton Mallet Prison in Somerset in 1942, renaming it the Disciplinary Training Centre No. 1 and housing troops convicted of all offences across Europe. There were 18 executions at the prison, two of them by firing squad 
for the murder of Private Alexander Miranda on the 30th of May 1944 and Private Benjamin Pirate on the 28th of November 1944. Locals complained about the noise as the executions took place in the prison yard about 1am. Since the 1950s, there has been some controversy concerning the 346 British and Imperial troops, including 25 Canadians, 22 Irish and 5 New Zealanders, shot for desertion, murder, cowardice and other offences during World War I, some of who are now thought to have been suffering from combat stress reaction or post-traumatic stress disorder, shell shock as it was known then. This led to organisations such as the Shot at Dawn campaign being set up in latter years to try and uncover why these soldiers were actually executed. The Shot at Dawn memorial was erected at Staffordshire to honour these soldiers and in 2006 it was announced that 306 of these soldiers would receive posthumous pardons. In the American Civil War, 433 of 573 men executed were shot by firing squad. And in 1913, Adriza Mirkovich became the first and only inmate in Nevada to be executed by shooting after the warden of the Nevada State Prison could not find five men to form a firing squad. A shooting machine was built to carry out Mirkovich's execution. John W. Deering allowed an electrocardiogram recording of the effect of gunshot wounds on his heart during his 1938 execution by firing squad. Afterwards, his body was donated to the University of Utah School of Medicine at his request. Since 1960, there have been four executions by firing squad all in Utah. The 1960 execution of James W. Rogers, Gary Gilmore's execution in 1977, and Joel Albert Taylor in 1966, who chose Firing Squad for his execution, according to the New York Times, to make a statement that Utah was sanctioning murder. However, a 2010 article for the British newspaper, The Times, quotes Taylor justifying his choice because he did not want to flop around like a dying fish during a lethal injection. Ronnie Lee Garner was executed by firing squad in 2010, having said he preferred this method of execution because of his Mormon heritage. Gardner also felt that lawmakers were trying to eliminate the firing squad in opposition to the most popular opinion in Utah because of concern over the state's image in the 2002 Winter Olympics. Execution by firing squad was banned in Utah in 2004 but as the ban was not retroactive, three inmates on Utah's death row have firing squad sets as their method of execution. Idaho banned the execution of firing squad in 2009, temporarily leaving only Oklahoma as the only state in the union utilizing this method of execution. Reluctance by the drug companies to see their drugs used to kill people has led to a shortage of the commonly used lethal injection drugs. And in March 2015, Utah enacted legislation allowing execution by firing squad if the drugs they use are unavailable. Several other states are also exploring a return to the firing squad. However, Justice Sonia Somatara argued in Arthur v. Dunn 2017 
In addition to being near instant, death by shooting may also be comparatively painless. And historically, the firing squad has yielded significantly few, fewer botched executions. In February 2019, South Carolina's Senate voted 26 to 13 in favour of a revival proposal to bring back the electric chair and add firing squads to its execution options. However, a return to the firing squad, I think, would be a definite step back. And I can't help but actually think of the mental state of the people who are in the firing squad for them to see, actually, could this have been me? My sources this week are Wikipedia, the program Stephen Fry in America, Execution by Country, Arthur V. Dunn, 2017, and History of Execution. Thank you for listening to another episode of Macabre for Mortals. If you like this podcast, please subscribe for more content. Please join our Facebook group, Macabre for Mortals podcast. Or if you have any stories you'd like me to cover, then please email them to macabreformortals at gmail.com. Next time I will be finishing off this series by covering why we have a fascination with death and execution. I will be delving into the psychology of our morbid curiosity. I hope you all have a great week and thank you for listening again. Bye.